Okay, we're going to start here at the top of Samachimamad. Aleph by the Mishnah. The Mishnah over here is now moving on to men's clothing. And the Mishnah says, Lo yetzeayish, lo besayif, not with a sword, lo bekeshet, not with a bow, lo betris, not with a shield, lo be'alah. Gemara itself will ask what an alah is. It's either a lance or a club. Lo beromach, and not with a spear. Vimyatzeah, chayav chatat. If he went out with them, he's chayav chatat. These are considered to be a masui. They're not considered to be decorative in any way or a malbush in any way. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer disagrees and says, Takshidin heinlo. These are adornments. This is his jewelry. This is the way that a person is dressed up. Weapons are all for the negative. Shinemar, Pasuk says in Ishayo, it also happens to be a Pasuk in Micha as well, with a slightly different language. A couple of the words are slightly different, but the Pasuk in Ishayo says, that they will beat down their swords to plowshares, and their spears they will make into pruners, and there's no vav in the pasuk, nations will no longer raise swords against each other, and they will no longer learn to do battle or have war. So it's clear that it cannot be decorative, and it cannot be for the positive, if latid lavo, it's going to be eliminated. If it's going to be eliminated, that shows you that it's something that we don't want to persist, something that we don't consider to be positive. Birit, which we bumped into earlier in the parak, is Torah, yotzim ba b'shabbat, and go out with it on Shabbat, kavalim, tmeim, v'ein yotzim ba'em b'shabbat. Again, the Gemara will come back and define both of those terms, what a birit and kavalim are. So Gemara asks, my be'ala, that was the word that we just saw before in the Mishnah, and the Gemara answer is Kufa. Rashi defines Kufa as something, as a stick or a staff or something. If you look in the Oroch, he says, Perish domele makel, gul kamokadur. So it's a club of some sort. Better word than a club would be a, a mace that is used. Others translated as a, a lance. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, takshitin ain lo. Rabbi Eliezer thinks they are adornments, decorative, Malbush, however you want to define it, so that he can go out on Shabbat. Tanya, Amrulola Rabbi Lezer, Mikhima, Kardachatachitim, Hainlo, Mipne, Mahain, Betelim, Limota Mashiach. Well, if Yeshayo had Nivua, that the Tidavo, they're not going to be here, then why you, do you think, Rabbi Lezer, that these are adornments, that these are Malbush? Amrulahan, the fish, Enon, Srikhin. It's not an issue of good or bad, it's just not necessary. They won't be necessary, it says, again, we quote from Ishayahu, which is, or if you quote from Micha, it's, Ishayahu says Isa, in Micha it says, So if that's the case, let it just be for decorative purposes. All right, you might be right, so there'll be no war, there'll be no battles anymore. But if these are considered to be positive items, let them still wear them as... We'll call it uh, antiquated jewelry. It's something that was used in the past, adornments of the past, but at least you can still wear it as something that is nice. So It's the equivalent of carrying out a candle during the day. So yes, you can carry out a candle during the day, but it just has no impact. It has no meaning. It's right. That's a pretty good word for it. It's useless. It won't be considered an adornment anymore because nobody uses them. Nobody uses them. They're considered to be excessive. And this argues on Shmuel. There's no difference between what we live in now and the Mota Mashiach, except for Shibud Galiot. There will no longer be Galut amongst the nations. 
no longer be subjugated to them, but we have autonomy. You have an autonomous government and that you will be able to do the mitzvot without any outside pressure or interference. That's the way Shmuel defines the Mot Mashiach. Tosafot over here says, well, it really can't be ain dain. Avagov the hash dain yushlayim, vein beit amigdash. Today there's no yushlayim in beit amigdash. Everything will be rebuilt. It's not really nothing. But Shmuel's point is that it will not be like all the fanciful nevuot that you see there. That is not about yumot amashiach. Shnemar is proof is from the pasuk in Devarim. It says, Poverty or the poor person will never disappear from the land. So as long as the land is here, there will still be rich and poor, and there will still be people in need. So that shows you that the Mot Mashiach, not everything is solved. Not everything goes away. Not evil is removed. It's simply the ability to perform mitzvot will be more accessible, it will be easier, and that's what Yimota Mashiach is. But, Misayele, the Rabbi Chir Bar Abba. On the other hand, this is like Rabbi Chir Bar Abba. The Rabbi Chir Bar Abba called the Nevi'im Lonit Nabu Ale Yimota Mashiach. That all the Nevi'im, all those Nevuot for the Tid Lavo are about Yimota Mashiach. Not like Shmuel. Rather, they are about Yimota Mashiach. Aval, the Olam Abba. When it comes to Olam Abba, it says, Ayin Lora'ata Elukim Zulatecha. No eye has been cast upon it except yours, God. Nobody's seen it. Nobody understands. Nobody knows what the Ulam Haba is. And therefore, the Nevi'im only spoke about Yimot Mashiach, which means everything you find in the Nevuot, including this idea that there'll be no longer any battles or military escapades or wars between nations, that will apply Yimot Mashiach. Whereas according to Shmuel, that won't necessarily be true. Vigad Amre. And some have this laid out in this way. If they are really adornments, then why do they go away in Yimot Mashiach? They don't go away. That's exactly like Shmuel. I mean, Rabbi Eliezer now is identical to Shmuel. In the first Memra, Rabbi Eliezer agreed that the weapons would disappear, that war would not happen. But the reason they didn't wear them is because they were useless. They weren't meaningful. There'll be no more wars. That was not like Shmuel. Shmuel says that Latilo, everything remains the same. And here it was changing. Now, the way we have Rabbi Lezer formulated is nothing will change. There will be wars. So what are you going to do about the Psukim in Yishayahu? That's like what we said before that Shmuel says there's no difference about the Yimot Mashiach. That's all the Lam Haba. And this argues on Rabbi Kirbaava, which we saw before that Rabbi Kirbaava says that all the Nivuot are about Yimot Mashiach, not about Olam Haba. And therefore, when this Pasuk in Yishayahu that says there'll be no more wars, will apply to Yimot Mashiach. And obviously that would be problematic for this explanation according to Rabbi Eliezer. So now you have here a machloket that's taken up much more in detail in the Gemara and Sanhedrin, but this really forms the basis for the different opinions within the Rishonim. Rishonim really argue about this, and it's not clear. There are a range of opinions about exactly what Mota Mashiach and Olam Haba is. So for instance, the Rambam believes that Olam Haba is Olam Nishamot. It's a place where we are unified. The Nishamot are unified with the Creator. They go back to their Creator. And that is something that has nothing tangible, no physical rewards whatsoever. The Ravid and others disagreed with him. That can't be true. Olam Abba, like for instance here you see that Shmuel believes that Olam Abba does have some physical manifestation because he says Yimot HaMashiach is all about just the lack of Shibud Malchiot. Otherwise everything is the same. That means Olam Abba must have 
all those things that are in the Nivuot, which include physical rewards and physical benefits in the Olam The same will be true about Tzachiyat HaMetim. Where does Tzachiyat HaMetim fit into the picture? Is that the Bolt of Mashiach? Is that the Olam Abba? According to the Rambam, of course, it's not going to be an Olam Abba, because that's Olam HaNishamot. Tzachiyat HaMetim would have to take place before that. Others believe that it's the other way around, that Tzachiyat HaMetim is after. There are some who believe that if Tzachiyat HaMetim will be after all is completed, even Yimot HaMashiach Olam Abba, then there will be a Tzachiyat HaMetim. Again, there's a range of opinions within the Rishonim developed based on these opinions here. You can see already there's a Machloket in the, between an Amorish Moel and what we see from Kir Ba'abo. And then in addition, in Sanhedrin, there are other memrot which might lead you to different conclusions. The Gemara itself is not conclusive, and so too, by the Rishonim, you have a range of opinions. You should know that the Rambam's position was controversial at the time, and therefore, part of the arguments against the Rambam, and some of the sharp criticism of the Rambam came from his opinion about Olam Abba, and whether they burnt the, the Rambam's books, or they put bans on the Rambam's books, like one of the issues was this particular opinion that he had. Gemara says, Amr Abayi the Rabdimi. Abayi said the Rabdimi, Amri Law. Some say it was to Ravavia. Amri Law Rav Yosef the Rabdimi. Some say it was Rav Yosef speaking to Rabdimi. Amri Law the Ravavia. It was Rav Yosef to Ravavia. Amri Law Abayi the Rav Yosef. Some say it was Abayi to Rav Yosef. That would make sense. Abayi was a Talmud of Rav Yosef. So, they got exchanged here somehow. Their names got mixed up. My time, uh, What's the reason that Rabbi Lezer says that these are decorative in nature? These are adornments, the weapons. Because it says in the Pasuk. Here it's really describing Hashem. The Pasuk in Tehillim is describing Hashem. It says, Put your sword, gird your sword onto the waist of the strong one, of the mighty one. It is with your glory and your majesty. So you see it's said in a positive way. It's describing Hashem, but it's definitely in a context that is very positive. So I'm there of Ka'ana, the Marbure, the Ravuna. Rav Ka'ana said to the son of Ravuna, or the Marbure, the Ravina, the son of Ravina, That is not written about weapons. That's not written about war. That's written about Divrei Torah. So he says back to him, That's a nice drusha, but what about the poshub shot in the pasuk? It's nice, that's a great drusha, I agree with you, but you still have to explain to me the pasuk on its level of pashtut. If you read the pasuk, it sounds like these are talking about weapons, and it's said in a positive manner. When I was 18 years old, and I was going over the entire shas, I was learning Torah Shabbat and I didn't know this idea. Until this point in time, I had no clue that Shuto. I mean that he thought that the drashot that were made in the Psukim were the Pashtuta Psukim. You didn't look at a Pasuk in its literal sense. The Drashat Chazal gave you the perspective on how to read the Pasuk, and that became the Pashat in the Pasuk. But now he's taught it's not the case. Correct. It doesn't undermine the drasha, but a Pashup Shat is still meaningful in this instance. The Rashbam, when he wrote his Perush al Torah, he writes the introduction, part of the introduction to his Perush, but later on, actually, in Parshat Vayeshev. It's coming up this week. If you look in Parshat Vayeshev, the Rashbam gives another introduction to why he wrote his Perush al Torah. And he says he wrote it because of this. He quotes this Gemara right here. He says that all the other Rishonim were carried away by the Drashot Chazal. And therefore nobody did. And even his grandfather Rashi says, 
thought he was doing that, but he still relied on Midrash Chazal. And he says, I spoke to my grandfather, and I told him, and he said, the Rashbam claims, that Rashi would have written another Perush that was really Pshat, and that what he wrote was still Drashot, and the Rashbam sets out to do exactly that, to write a Perush that is Pashut Pshat, the Ein Mikra Yitzim Yitzim Shuto, and he quotes our Gemara here, as part of the introduction, you can see the Rashbam on, I think it's this week's Parsha on Perushat Yeshev. It's my Kamashvalon, so what did he teach us? Deligmar Inish Vadalizbar. So he taught us that sometimes you need to just go over the material. You need to know the content before you start thinking about it. Here, Rav Kahana didn't know this principle, but that didn't stop him from learning. That didn't stop him from accumulating knowledge. So the accumulation of knowledge, the ability to know Torah Shabbat should not be hindered by the fact that you don't understand everything and that you don't have all the information. Because once you have it in hand, it can only be enhanced by the understanding. It can only be... Uh, understood better once we have it in hand. So don't stop and wait and try to figure it out. You should get the contents down pat first, and then afterwards, work on explaining it and understanding it. So, Amr Rabbi Yirmi, Amr Rabbi Lazar. Shnei tamidei chachamim hamechadidim zeh lezeh b'halacha. If two tamidei chachamim that sharpen each other in halacha, hakadush baruch hu matzliach lahem. Hashem causes them to succeed. Shinamar, it says... The reason that they're bringing this down is it's a continuation of the Pasuk in Tehillim, Perak Memhei, Pasuk Dal that we just quoted before, it continues afterwards, that your glory, your majesty, will cause prosperity, success. Don't read it as your majesty, that your sharpness. So that if they sharpen each other, then slach, they will succeed. So if they help each other out, they work together, that will cause success. They, not only will they be successful, but they will reach positions of power of gedula. The Pazik says, slach, should have prosperity, rechav. Now again, they keep cutting off the pasuk. The pasuk continues, it says, slach, rechav. You come forth, your majesty should come forth riding with prosperity, with success. For the cause of truth. But here the Gemara is breaking down the Pasuk into discrete parts and saying that Tzlach Rachav is that your success should ride. Ride high. And that's what it means here. That if they do this, they will not only be successful, but they will also be riding high. You would think that this will work even if they don't do it lishma. They don't learn lishma. They learn simply to get that gdula, to get that prosperity, to get that success of being a gadol. Tamad Omar al dvaremet has to be done for the cause of truth. Now dvaremet means it has to be done lishma. You would think if he became haughty or that changed his character to be someone who is no longer humble. Tamad Omar Tzedek. Shadot Pasuk. Again, it's a continuation of the same Pasuk. is for the sake of righteousness. But over here, they're reading the word Anva to be Anav. To be someone of humility. If you do this, then you'll be Zochet to the Torah that was given with the right hand. Shneemar. Because the Pasuk continues, it says, V'torcha noraot yeminecha. Torcha means that you will teach the wonders of your right hand. For here again, the Gemara is darshaning Torcha to mean Torah. That your Torahcha will see the wonders, the awesomeness of God's right hand. There is Zochet, the things that were said about the right hand of Torah. Tamar Rav Barshila. Tamar Rav Rav Yosef Barchamar Rav Sheshet. What is it meant by the Pasuk in Mishlei? Orech Yamim Bimina. 
that there will be long life with the right hand. Bismillah, Osher V'chavot. With the left hand, there will be wealth and honor. Ella, Bimina'a, Orechemim, Ika, Osher V'chavot Lecha. How could it be that the right hand only has length of days, long life, longevity, but does not have Osher V'chavot? Longevity is a greater bracha. If you get the greater bracha, you certainly should get the lesser of the brachot. Ella, those that are here, the word miyamin can be used in different ways. The word yamin comes from right, but it also means, and the same thing in English, it means to be dexterous. A righty was looked at as being dexterous because that was the hand that had the ability to be dexterous with a stronger arm. So over here, the translation of the word miyamin can be one of those two items. It can either be dexterous of the two, meaning that person who delves into the Torah, and looks into it carefully like the right hand, is dexterous in Torah. Or, Yamin Barash, he says, could also mean Lishma. That the person who is Osek Lishma, Orech Yamim, Ika, they will have longevity of life. Certainly, wealth, prosperity, and Kavod, and honor. Limas Milimba, those that are to the left, the left being Sinistar, is the translation into Latin, which is the nevertheless, not the dexterous side, means that they don't delve into it in depth, or they do it shalolish shma, one of the two interpretations, then, osher v'kavodika, they get wealth and honor, or echamim leka, but they do not get length of days, and that's what we just said before, that those that are learning Torah lishma will get that which is said about yamin, about the right hand of Torah. Am Rabbi Yirmiyam, Am Rabbi Shemalakish, Shnei Tomi Chachamim, Anuchim who are good to each other, they treat each other properly in halacha, Kodesh Baruch Hu makshiv lahem, and Hashem listens to them. So if their interactions are pleasant, are adinut, are done with proper manners, and a nice tone, and some of the nice disposition, then Hashem listens to them. Shinamar, Pasuk says, Az nidbiru yirei Hashem, so then we'll talk the yirei Hashem, they leave out the most important parts of the part of the puzzle, which says, Ish el re'eyu, v'yakshev Hashem v'yishma, which is that they will speak to each other, then v'yakshev Hashem, Hashem will listen, v'yishma, and it will be heard. So here, if they speak, nidberu, ein dibur elenachat, speaking is done in a gentle manner. Shinemar. So the puzzle they quote here, which is interesting, is yadber amim tachtenu. Ber amim tachtenu comes from tilim em zayin, which is the lamatzeach that we say before we build a shofar on Rosh Hashanah. And over there it says, Yadmer Amim Tachtenu, that Hashem will subdue nations under us. So here the word Yadmer can either mean to subdue, or also can mean to lead. One of those two. But either way, the Gemara is viewing it as because of this subduing, means that it's something that is done as a more relaxed nature. Even though the idea of subduing is something of a more powerful term, but they're using the term here to mean Yadmer, means that you result in something that is more subdued. They're playing on the word dibur, but they're here, they're saying the definition, the way it's used in this pasuk is one of something that is more gentle. That gentleness, now they're assigning to the word dibur, and saying that if they speak gently, then we know that Hashem will listen. It's a continuation of the pasuk over there, those that consider his name. Even a person thought to do a mitzvah, and then was stopped because of whatever accident, emergency, the Pasuk assigns him the reward as if he did it. Anybody who does a mitzvah like it said properly, they never give him news or bad news at all. 
someone who keeps a mitzvah will know no evil. It's a wonderful pasuk, beautiful pasuk. Those that are performing mitzvot, those that are involved in mitzvot, will not know any bad. The Gemara in Kedushin says a similar type of idea, which is, shluchei mitzvah in nizukin. People who are on their way to do a mitzvah will never be damaged, or in, even on their way back. Again, this idea that shomer mitzvah lo devara. This also could be the source for the Rambam's position. The Rambam has an unusual position at the Gemara at the end of Makot, which is a Gemara that we quote all the time. Rabbi Hanani ben Akash Shomer Ratzah Karish Bachul Zakot to Yisrael Fika Cherbelem Torah Mitzvot. Hashem wanted to give Shkut merit to Bnei Yisrael, therefore He gave them lots of Mitzvot. So most of them, for Shem, explain it Kipshuto, which is that you more Mitzvot you have, the more chance you have to accumulate merits. The Rambam over there explains that and says that it means that God gave us so many Mitzvot that there won't be at least one Mitzvah that you do Kitikuna. There'll be at least one mitzvah that you do properly. You do it lishma, you do it with all the covenants, you do it exactly properly. And that's exactly what's said over here. The kolosim mitzvah So that idea here, that if you do a mitzvah properly or correctly, that's what we're looking for. And that's what the Ramam says is, that's why we have 613, so at least you get one right. So amrabasi, vitei merabi chanina, afilu kodesh baruchu guzer gzerah, humivatla. That even Hashem has an, a decree, it will be nullified, shenemar, because it says there, it's the previous pasuk too. Shomer Mitzvah Yudir Devar. It says, "Basher Devar Melech Shulton." By the word of the king is the authority. Imi Yomarlo Mataset. And then who's going to say to him, "What do you do?" So who's going to say that? Well, you know who will? Shomer Mitzvah Lo Yudir He'll be the one who does say something to him. Samichlei. And the next pasuk is Shomer Mitzvah Lo Yudir Devar. Amar Biava. Amar Bishim Malakish. Two, listen to each other in halacha. Hashem hears their voices. Shinemar, because it says, Those that sit in the gardens, Your close ones will listen to your voice. Let me hear it. So the Yoshevet Beganim here is referring to the Batei Midrashot, to the Tamil Chachamim. Chavirim makshivim nekolech means that the tamidah chachamim or chavirim are listening to each other. Then Hashem will say, Hashmini, let me hear it. Let me hear what you're saying. Vim enosim kain. If they don't do this, gorim l'shchinash mistalekim Israel. Then they cause the shchinah to leave. Shnemar brach dodi udmei lachatzvi. That says brach dodi. Go, my loved one ran away, just chased away udmei lachatzvi, and you're like a deer that runs away that speedily leaves. So I'm Rabbi Avraham Rabbi Shimon Lakish. Shnei talmidei chachamim hanmadgilim zel zebalacha. Two talmidei chachamim. Now here the word madgilim is interesting. It's from the source. The word is degel. So the way Rashi translates it is. Mit asfim They gather each other. They help each other out to learn, to make a chavrusa. And since they don't have a rav, since they don't have a teacher, they bring together, they bring themselves together. They help each other out. They set up. The word dego here means like a banner, to make a banner. God loves them. So here, the pashtura pasuk is that your love will be like a banner to me. Over here, when they're darshing is diglu, those that come together, have a banner for Torah, right? then I will love them. That's assuming that they have at least some basic knowledge. They can't learn together. If they have no basic knowledge, they can't create something from nothing. They at least have to have some basics. And that's assuming they don't have a Rebbe in the city to teach them. If they have a Rebbe in the city to teach them, they should be going to the Rebbe. 
The fact is, if they don't, they should at least together try to work it out and learn as much as possible. This is reminiscent of Brachot. Here we had a statement from Rabbi Ava Amar Rabbi Shimon Lakish. Now the Gemara is going to bring down a number of Memrot, uh, Gadik, Memrot of this pair. Which is Amar Rabbi Ava Amar Rabbi Shimon Lakish. Gadol Hamalve Yotermino Sitzdaka. Greater is the one who lends than the one who does, Sitzdaka does charity. Umetil Bekis Yotermikulan. And someone who provides a business partnership is greater than them all. So here you have the hierarchy of the best ways to give tzedakah. And the lowest one is to actually give money to the poor person. The next level up is to lend money to the individual, put them back on their feet, but they're not embarrassed by that because it looks like it's a loan, looks like it's something that is not tzedakah. And then the best one is to bring them into a partnership, to bring them into the business, give them the opportunity to make money in a partnership with you. is vengeful, spiteful, like a snake, who wrap him around, girt him onto your loins. But if he's an Amaretz, but he's delicate and gentle, don't live in his neighborhood. So better to be with a Tamar Chacham who's knowledgeable, even though maybe his midot are not a hundred percent, because at least you'll get the proper perspective, the proper knowledge of Torah. But if you live with an Amar, it's, even though he's a Hasid, he's gentle, he's delicate, he has all the midot, nevertheless you're never going to get the proper perspective of the Torah. So he will not be able to act in the full accordance of the Torah, and therefore you'll be misled. So don't live there. This is different than other Gemaras. The Gemara, for instance, says that one should only have a Rebbe and learn Torah for someone who is Gemal HaShem Tzvakot, that is like the angel of God. So there is a necessity or a need for the Rebbe to also have Midot, and that's not enough just to have Torah. Having Midot as well is something that is paramount or important. So you could relegate this, that no came v'noter k'nachash, could not be within Divrei Torah, that he is, he's Chared al-Dvar Hashem, not that he has poor Midot or bad character traits. The same pair that we saw before. Anybody brings up a bad dog in his house, removes the ability to do chesed from his house. Because the Pasuk says, to one who is afflicted, from his friends he should receive goodness. And that's the Pashtuta Pasuk, is that someone's afflicted, having difficulty, his friends should step in and help him out. The Gemara now says about that Lashon of Lamas, Shekein B'Lashon Yivanit, in Greek, Korin Lekelev, Lamas, or Lamus. So the Greek word for Kelev is here, and the Gemara is saying that a Kelev, and as Rashi points out, the Mem in front of Mary'el means removes. So therefore it says Lamas, the dog removes from his friend's chesed. Why is it removed from his friend's chesed? So he says, if you have a dog there, the aniyim will be afraid to come into your house. They'll be afraid to enter the gate. The dog will scare them away. And nobody will be coming knocking on the door looking for its daka. So a person has a dog, a bad dog, who scares away. The aniyim will be then removed from chesed from his house. He won't be able to perform chesed because nobody will come there. Not only does it ruin his chances for chesed, it also, for the individual himself who owns the dog, it ruins his irat shemaim, shnemar. It's a continuation of the possible is Virat Shakayazov. Fear of God, he will leave. It's interesting because maybe a person who has the dog starts to rely on the dog for his protection rather than God for his protection. He thinks it's in the hands of the dog and not Hashem. Maybe that's what they're after here, not just the continuation of the Pasuk, but that the Yirat Shemaim, the individual, is lost. Or 
could be because of the lack of performance of chesed, he also loses his yirat shemayim. How itita, the ayla lahau beita the meifa, this woman who was poor, she didn't have an oven to bake in, she came into this house, either she rented it or they lent it to her, to go into the house to bake. Navach bakalba, a dog came and barked at her, scared her, itakar vlada. She had a baby in utero, she had a fetus, and the fetus shifted because of the scare or the fright she got from the dog barking. Amrla Mari Debeita, the owner of the house says, Khali, don't worry about it, the Shakili Nibe, his teeth are taken out. Shakilin Le Tufre, and his nails are taken out also. She said, back to him, Shkula Tibutech, says, take your goodness and throw it out. Take it back, for not Vlad. The damage is already done. I didn't know that when the dog barked, so I was already afraid, and that caused the fetus to shift or the fetus to move out of place. And now that you're telling me this and calming me down, it's too late. The damage was already done. Amravuna, my dichtiv. What is meant by the pasuk and kwelet? Smach bachur beyaldutecha. You should enjoy your youth. And your heart should make things good for you in your youthful days. Valech. And follow the ways of your heart. And you should go what you see fit. And the Pasuk spoke with the youth, not a hey. You can do all that. But no, in the end, God will bring you to judgment on that. The Pasuk is sort of encouraging you to act on your own volition. Do what you will. Do as you please. But it says, don't forget that there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day where you have to pay for it. So now the Gemara says, Ad kan until the point in the puzzle which says, Da, that's the Yitzhara speaking. From that point onwards, the Yitzhara Tov speaking. That's the argument. The argument between them is the Yitzhara says, you can do what you want, do as you please. The Yitzhara Tov says, listen, you can do as you please, but you're going to have to pay for it one day. Until that point is, you should learn as you please, you should delve into Torah as you please. From after that is dealing with Masim Tovim, the way Rashi says it. You can learn as you please. But when it comes to acting, when it comes to doing, you have to follow what you learn. You have to put into practice what you learn. So the first half of the Pasuk is, do as you please, learn as you please. But you will be held accountable for doing the Masim, the Alokha. That could be one way to read it. The other way to read it is about Torah, Umasim Tovim, which is you can learn as much as you want, but God will still hold you accountable for Masim Tovim, doing Chesed. You can't just learn and forget about doing chesed. You also have to do chesed. So you can learn as you please, as much as you please, as much as you want, but don't forget to also do Torah im chesed. Right now the Gemara goes back and explains what's this birit Torah. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, birit zu etzada. This birit is a bracelet. What do you mean? How could he be called it a birit Torah and go out with it on Shabbat if it's an etzada? Vilu etzadat meahi. We know that a bracelet is tmeya. Rashi says, how do we know that it's tmeya? Because it's mentioned by the items that were brought back by Midian. It says, all that you brought back, you have to purify. So you see that the etzada, you see that the bracelet was tamei. Tosafot says, I don't think that's the right shot over here. Because if that's the case, that's not true of all the items that were brought back. Part of what was brought back of the booty there was animals. And the animals don't require tahara. So that can't be the explanation. What, that pasuk is talking about what was brought back. The pasuk that says what you have to be mitahir is a separate pasuk. So Tosfut says he thinks it's because of the juxtaposition of Sukim that says, the pasuk says, it's a David Samin. And it's afterwards it says, Vayikach kol klima aseh. So what is the klima said that it's referring to? It's talking about all the kelim that can be carried or taken. And etzada is included in that. 
And then later on, the Gemara is going to learn from Sheretz that that Kli is Tamei. So that's how the Gemara, Tosavit has a little more involved type of limud of how to get it, that it's a das tmeya. Rashi just says that it's because it's included in the booty of Midian. So the Gemara says, no, I see what he meant. Birin tachad etz omedit. That the birit is in place of a bracelet. The way that a bracelet is to the arm, the birit is to the leg. That's what we said before. It's a bracelet that goes around the leg that holds up the stockings. Yati ravin v'ravuna kameid ravirmiya v'yati ravirmiya v'kamenam name. Ravirmiya was dozing off. And he said, Birit ba'achat kevalim b'shtayim. A birit is a bracelet on one leg, and that holds up that stocking. Kevalim are on two legs. She has a bracelet on each of her legs to hold up her stockings. Amalei ravuna, elu ve'elu b'shtayim. No, they're both on both legs. Umtilin shel sheled b'nehem. And then you put a chain between them. That's the difference between them. Kavalim comes from cable. So that's what it means. They're both of them on both legs, except the difference is that Birit is on both legs without the chain between them. And the Kavalim have the chain between them. Amrle Ravuna, Mono. Just because there's a chain between them, that makes them into a mono. If you say it's like Rabbi Shubar Nachmani, we bumped into earlier back on Nunchet. How do we know that if something is functional, that it makes this noise, that that for its kameish, so we learned back then what koldavar was a play on the word dibur, and afil dibur v'mashma, even something that makes noise will become tameh. Over there, that was by the bell, they needed it to make a noise. But over here, over here, what utility, what use does this chain have? Also over here, it has use or utility. There was this family in Yerushalayim, that they used to walk, their steps, their stride was very wide. Because of that, their women lost their tulot, their dam tulot. They made for them these chains. They put on these bracelets on both legs and then put a chain between them. To restrict their stride. They wouldn't lose their dam tulot. Irbia woke up from his nap, from dozing off. That you did what you're saying is right. That is exactly what Rabbi Yochanan said. So now let's go back a second for this, understand what's happening here. We have a problem in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that, number one, Birit is Tehorah, and you can wear it out on Shabbat. A Kavalim is Tmeah, and it cannot be worn out on Shabbat. So then the Gemara at first thought it was one, that the Birit was on one leg, and the Kavalim were on two legs. So Rashi over there says, well, the reason that in that case it would be Tehorah, is because it's a kli kli because a kli kli means that it's, not, it's only functions to help another kli. The only purpose of this bracelet is to hold up the stockings. So that's not mikabel tumah. And then, why is it okay to go out on Shabbat? Because in order for it to remove them, she would have to raise her skirt. Then, we come to the second explanation, which is, no, no, they're on both legs. Since they're on both legs, now what's the difference? So Rashi claims that the reason that when you have two of them on, you can go out on Shabbat is because in order for it to remove them, she would have to raise her skirt. And that would be Natsanua, and never, she would never show them off in public because she would not raise her skirt to make them visible or to release them, and she wouldn't take them off and shoot their beam. But why is the Kabbalim, why are they Tmeim, and why are they problematic on Shabbat? It's because of the Shoshot, the chain. Rashi claims you could get the chain off without exposing herself. The chain she would show off, 
And the chain itself, since it has purpose, since it's a kli maaseh, it's not servicing another kli, it's servicing the individual by shortening the stride, therefore it's also mikabel tumah. That's Rashi's explanation of it. Tosafot, on the other hand, disagrees. He says that doesn't make sense. I don't understand how you can take off the chain without it being visible, but you can't take off the bracelets themselves without being visible. So he says, He says that you can take them off without revealing your thighs. That's even the bracelets themselves. You would not take off one because that is not an adornment of jewelry. It's not something that she would want to show off. Since so it's something she doesn't want to show off, therefore she would not take it off. It's nothing to do with revealing herself, she just wouldn't take it off. But when there are two of them, then she would want to show it off, because then it becomes a dormant, then it becomes jewelry. How do I know that something is woven, that even the smallest amount can be mikabal tumah? Mitzitz. From the tzitz. I'm like, why? Tzitz ariku? The tzitz. The tzitz is not woven. It was a flat piece of metal, of gold. It was two heads both wide. And we caught me ozen the ozen and went from ear to ear. It's written on two lines. Yud K, which is the Shem Hashem Lamala. Bekodesh Le Lamato. And Kodesh Le below it. So that on the top line, because you want the Shem Hashem to be up top, so it says Yud K on the upper row, and then below it says Kodesh Le. The other side says, says Kodesh on the bottom line, and it says Le Hashem, Le Yud K on the upper line. That's the way that it looked in order to have the Shem Hashem above. The Rabbeinu Tam claims that the Kodesh Le was justified to the right side, and Hashem was justified to the left side, so therefore you would read it as a single sentence. Even though they were offset, that Hashem, or that Hashem was above, and Kodesh was below, it still would look normal to read it from right to left in that way. So they were split up, that the Kodesh Hashem was on the right side, and Hashem was on the left side. From Rabbi Lezeb, Rabbi Yossi, this is a famous story that we saw back in Elah, when he goes to Rabbi Shimba Yochai to get the the decree nullified, says, Ani riti via Romi. He went into the storehouses of the king of Romi, and I saw there the tzitz, v'katub, kodesh l'ashem It was written in one line, it wasn't written on two lines, it was written straight across on one line. Kisalak Rabdimi le Narada, when Rabdimi went up to Narada, sholach luhu. He said, back to them, dvarim shemaiti lechem tohutim biadi. That which I said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan is obviously a mistake, because the tzitz is not woven. Baram kachamru mishum Rabbi Yochanan. This is what they said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. How do I know that an adornment, a piece of jewelry, any size is tamay? Mitzitz, from the tzitz. How do I know that something's woven, that's a koshu, is tamay? It's written by sheretz, obeged. And the riboy of o comes to you, not just a beged, but even o, any size beged. Now this is problematic for a number of reasons. We'll see in a second. Tanra Banan. Arig koshu tamay. Tachshid koshu tamay. Arig vitachshid koshu tamay. So arig by itself, any amount is tamay. Tachshid by itself is any amount is tamay. Now, if you have a woven something that is also with an adornment, koshu tamay. It's also koshu tamay. Now obviously that's a problem, because how could it be that if any amount is tamay, then how could you be combining the two items to get to any amount? Any amount means even the smallest amount. So then why would the combination have to do anything? So from here, Tosfot says, That's be some minimum shior. We don't know what it is, but it can't be nothing. It can't be that minimum of just the drop, because the fact that you have to put the arig and the takshit together to get to the koshu shows you that there is at least some minimum shior. The musaf sak al the sak, which is a type of material, 
on the beggar which is woven, Shetamei Mishum Arig. I won't define that now. That's tomorrow's Gemara. The Gemara will come back and define what that statement means. Amarava Arig Koshu Tamei Mi Obeget. How do I know that a woven material is Tamei? Because any amount of woven material is Mi Obeget from that reboy by Sheretz. Tachshit Koshu Tamei Mi Tzitz. I know that from the Tzitz. Arig Vit Tachshit Koshu Tamei. How do I know the combination of the two of them is Tamei is Mikol Kli Maaseh. That is written by Midian. It says over there you have to read Mitaher Mikol Kli Maaseh. Any Kli Maaseh, anything that is functional, anything that is jewelry. That is Tamei. Now the Gemara explains that. That's written by Midian. So why can you extrapolate from that? Rashi says what the question is here is, Midian was talking about Tamei mate. And you want to extrapolate this to Sheretz? You can't learn from Tamei mate to Sheretz. That's not a proper Limud. So he says, There's a Gzair Shavah of Kli that's written there, and Kli that's written by Sheretz. And therefore it's a Gzair Shavah that you don't have to argue. There's no logical argument that comes to undermine it. That's the way Rashi learns it. Tosafot, on the other hand, disagrees and says, that's written by Shlau Midian. That's written by the booty of Midian. Nothing to do with Tuman That's the question of the Gemara. And then the Gemara says, oh no, no, Kli Kli. We're going to learn a Gzair Shavah Kli Kli to teach you that this Kli that's in the Shlau of Midian and the booty of Midian also has a din of Tuma. So they're imposing the din of Tuma on the Shlau as well because of Gzair Shavah Kli Kli. Not because of Tumat Meit, which is Tumat Sheretz. But rather because of the fact that since the word kli is used there, then we have Xer Shava Kli Kli to teach us that that kli also means Tamei. The one other problem with this Gemara is Obeget. Obeget over here we said comes to Mirabah Koshu. Early on in the Masechta, if you remember, we said that Obeget came to teach you that a Beget can be Tamei even by Shalosh, shalosh Etzbaot. Beget meant Shlosha Shlosha Tzvachim, three by three Tzvachim. Oh, came to include Shlosha Shlosha Etzbaot. So how could it be here? O comes to include a koshu. Over there we said it was only enough to include three by three heads both. So Tosafot answers and says, well, there's two different ways to get to a baguette. You start with a large baguette, and then it's worn down or withered down until it's three by three, then the old baguette only comes to include three by three heads both. So when it's a derivative of a larger baguette, three by three heads both is the minimum shiur. On the other hand, if you start from nothing and you make a baguette that's kosher and it's functional like that, then the old beggar will come be mirabe even a kosher, even the smallest amount. Okay, we'll stop over here.